All right, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Save the Track Bike. I'm your host, Josh. On today's episode, I have David Trimble, the man who started Red Hook Crit. We cover a lot of ground from the inception of Red Hook to where he sees it going in the future. So let's just jump into it. I'm David Trimble, the organizer of the Red Hook Crit. Started it now 11 years ago in Red Hook, Brooklyn. Just been working on it ever since. My I didn't get into cycling until I was in my early 20s. But I, growing up, my my father and my uncle built bikes. They uh, they built the first uh, carbon monocoque frames in the late 70s and early 80s. So I was always around bikes growing up, but never really got into it myself until I was in my early 20s. And I started, actually started racing mountain bikes in Texas in, uh, I think, 2004 was was the first time I ever did a bike race. Where in Texas was that? In uh, Houston. Nice. I, I lived there at one point. I'm originally from Alaska, lived in lived in Boston, Arkansas, Texas, and now I've been in New York for 12 years. That's cool. Yeah, I grew up in Texas, and I've been in Colorado since I was like 14 now, so all right, a long time. (laughs) So uh, how did the cycling, mountain biking and stuff turn into like fixed gear? Yeah, I started racing mountain bikes. Uh, Well, before that, I was actually racing go-karts, and I kind of ran out of money doing that. I was racing the at a pretty high level, couldn't keep doing it. So I started racing bikes just because I needed to race something, not because I actually like cared about bikes or, you know, re- really was that interested. And yeah, just got, got really into mountain bike racing, uh, moved to New York. There wasn't, it was not that easy to go, you know, get to the trail from New York. So I started riding, you know, riding road bikes and track bikes and started racing, you know, like, cat five road races in the city then also fell in with uh with the alley cat racing scene and started racing that so started you know pretty early got kind of got a kind of involved in all these different cycling disciplines which ultimately led me to, to the red hook crit yeah so the first red hook started out as like a birthday party for you is that right yeah my original my first idea was i was going to organize a an alley cat. I actually, I worked for my, my uncle's architecture firm at the time. And I had, had this idea to do an architecture themed alley cat where you would go to all the famous landmarks throughout the city. And then I decided it was going to be too much work because I also wanted to have a party. So I came up, came up with the idea to, uh, yeah, somehow combine a bike race with my birthday party. And, you know, same, you know, I wanted I wanted it to be track bikes because I was really like into into monster track and rumble through the Bronx and really like riding my track bike really fast through the city. I knew I knew how fast like you know maneuverable people were on those bikes. Yeah, that's where that's where the original idea came from. Tell us the story of the first Red Hook. Did it feel like it was going to be like what it's become, or did it just feel like this? You know what I mean? Like, am I articulating this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had no ambition, like, at all for it to become anything. Uh, I'd, I'd never organized a race before. And, yeah, I just really did it for fun. You know, there was all, back back in those days, there was always, like, every weekend there was another cool race. Like, 
New York City was amazing for cycling back then. There was always some, you know, different kind of alley cat or urban cycling event and everyone is really creative and making these special events and I wanted to do do one myself I had yeah really no ambitions beyond just just throwing it together and I think I started planning it like two weeks before and you know barely anybody came I think there was 15 people racing and like half of them were were my own family members (laughs) yeah super small no ambitions at all for it did you guys actually like shut down the streets for that? No, we just showed up. Like showed up. I think we started the race at eleven thirty or midnight. And there was a few back then. Red Hook was really quiet; hadn't started becoming popular. And I think there was a couple cars came onto the track during the during the race. We had no no permission or anything. We actually did the first three years like that with no permits or any, any, any sponsors or insurance or barriers or anything. Yeah. So how did that progress? Super, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Just saying super humble beginnings, you know, no, no plans at all to, to turn it into a big event. Yeah. So did you like do one again the next year or did it, did you like skip a year or something like that? Or what made you like, how did it grow to what it is, I guess? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the first year was so much fun. Like as soon as the race started, I raced the first two years and you know, it was, it was like the most fun race I had ever done. And I think everyone else thought the same. And after, after each year, I just tried to improve it from the year before and you know, so the second year it was, you know, twice, twice the effort put in and then the race was twice the size and twice as many people there. And then every year it, it kind of doubled and, you know, once it started getting big, it started really exponentially growing. And yeah, it was, it's definitely been like painful many times throughout its you know lifespan, uh, growing from one step to another, but I always want to make the, the next race like much better than the race before. So that's always, that's like what's led it to grow, grow to be so big. Yeah. What do you think it is about Red Hook uh, that is catching on with people? And what do you think uh, kind of road cycling in general is like a lot of people are looking at Red Hook from like all the podcasts I listen to and stuff like about road cycling. They always are like talking about Red Hook now, not always, but you know it gets yeah. mentioned a lot and like uh so why do you think that is like why do you think it's exciting for people yeah i think you know whenever you read about you know like people complaining about what's wrong with road cycling and what cycling needs to become more popular you know they always like mention everything that we're already doing and i think red hook so popular is that it's really simple super simple to understand you know, you can know nothing about bike racing, come out and watch it, kind of f- figure out what's going on and really enjoy it. You know, the races are super short. Um, you don't have to have a long attention span. You don't have to understand that much about tactics to know what's going on. It's just, it's like such a good spectator sport. And once you have a lot of spectators, it, it just builds a whole energy up. So then the athletes are more, are more excited and more motivated yeah, so it's I think just making it really simple and really easy to watch is is a winning winning formula. 
Yeah, I definitely think there's something to be said about that. Because I remember when I first started getting into road cycling and just being like not understanding teams. I was like, wait, this is like a team sport. I don't get it. And like, <laughs> but even like USA cycling, like USA crits, you know, it's the same. It's effectively the same sport. It's a criterion, but they make their races way too long. Um, they have some rules that are really bad for spectators, like the rule where you're you're, you're allowed to lap the field and stay, you know, and everyone else stays in, so it gets really confusing. Um, yeah, you know, I think it's, you know, the, the road cycling is not designed for spectators right now. It's very traditional. It's designed, you know, it follows traditional rules. Like they want their crits to be an hour and a half long and 50 something laps. And like, if we, if we made the Red Hood crit that long, everyone would leave, you know, like the normal people watching it would leave halfway through. For sure. And, and especially road races like Tour of California or, Tour, you know, the races they did in Colorado, there would just be going on for hours on a, on a highway in a straight line it's just so boring yeah i think i think if, if cycling wants to become a you know more of a mainstream sport that's followed by fans around the world which it actually needs to become because that's the only way you can find money um it's got to be it's got to be more like the red hook crit where it's condensed and, and high energy the entire time yeah, that was the other thing I was going to mention, too, is, like, when you watch a Red Hook, it seems like people are putting, like, all of themselves into it. And I wonder if part of that is because they're on fixed gear bikes. Uh, but also, um, it just seems to attract a different crowd, I guess, that that is willing to put all of themselves into the race, and which makes it much more exciting to watch. Yeah, I mean, the, the track bike makes such a big difference, too. It's, like because it's so technical and it's hard to say at the front uh, it's usually the riders who are the most aggressive and the riders who are taking the risk are the riders who win in the end uh, you know lots of times in a road crit the rider who wins is the one that's stayed mid-pack the entire race up until the very last second and then then wins the bunch sprint for spectators that's kind of boring because it's you know, throughout as the race develops, you're just you're just waiting for someone to come out of the middle of the pack and win the race, some sprinter. But the Red Hood Crit, like the guys who are attacking in the first few laps, are the guys you see again at the end winning the race. I think that helps a lot. Yeah, for sure. And then yeah, then having the you know the fact that it attracts cyclists from all the like all around the world and all these different uh, disciplines of cycling, and it only happens a few times a year at a. You know, it has some sort of a world championship mentality where it's like, you know, you've got to perform on this day. Where if you're if you have a another series of races where there's a race every single weekend, you know, you're like, well, maybe this race is not that important. I'm going to take it easy today. But Red Hook Crit, each one's like such a big event that everyone's ready to ready to try their their hardest. Yeah, for sure. Because you even see that with like the Grand Tours and stuff, like you know. Which race just happened? I'm forgetting now. Uh, yeah, like Paris Nice or something. Yeah, that one. And you know, like I'm listening to like a podcast about it, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, people were sitting back because this is just kind of a practice race." And you know, <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, how exciting is that for people that are watching?" You know, it's like, uh, yeah, it's also confusing. You know, you have like Chris Froome in these races, and he's the best rider in the world, and you know, he's out there just training, just racking in the miles. So it's hard to like get people excited about th those events. Yeah. We're lucky that you know we are the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest track bike crit there is right now. So whenever people show up, they're like ready to 
we're ready to throw down. But at the same time, it's also what what makes Red Hook crit, you know, sort of crash prone and, and can be considered as dangerous. Is it's not even because we're riding track bike. It's because like there's so much pressure for people to do well in this race that they would rather like crash and give up half a wheel going into a corner. So it's it's great for spectators and it just puts brings attention up really high. But but there is some drawbacks to it. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that too because you hear over and over again on how dangerous track bike crits are and like all this stuff and and it's something that I've talked about with uh, numerous people on this podcast but I mean, you would probably be the best source because you're you've been there every year for uh well, 10 years of races now, almost 11. Uh and like I see the red hook or I go to other fixed gear crits or whatever, and you see, you know, sometimes there are crashes and stuff, but then I'm also watching like Strada Bianchi or something like that. And there's dudes breaking their collarbones and they're sliding across the road at 50 miles an hour on their ass. And like, (laughs) a lot of it's perceived. I mean, road racing, the biggest difference in road racing is, you know, every, you know, every, every big road racer is, you know, dozens of crashes, more crashes than any Red Hook crit. But the you know the, the riders crash and the race just moves on. You know, it's not like there's somebody there watching it. What happened afterwards? Where in the Red Hook crit, when there's a big crash, you know the the race is going to come back through that spot a minute later. So it's it definitely like feels more of a big deal. Yeah. Now you could have a rider pile up on Strada Bianchi and the TV just follows the the leaders. You know, it doesn't even doesn't even you know really show you what's happening with the crash behind it For so sure. that's that's a big difference um yeah and the red hook crit there's so many people so many photographers and spectators that are filming so as soon as something happens it goes viral you know the videos get posted immediately where on a a lot of road races there will be a really big spectacular crash and nobody will even have seen it or recorded it so nobody will really knows what what happens it seems like people kind of try to, whenever there's something new happening, that people try to pick it apart, right? I definitely had a lot of that. Yeah, and I feel like that people just focus on that. They're like, look at all these crashes. You know what I mean? And then, like, of course, the videos go viral or whatever. But then yeah, I also I think like- that I was talking to Brian Meggins, and uh, we were talking about how in crits he almost feels safer on a bike with no brakes because nobody can like brake check in front of him (laughs) and stuff like that you know like i almost feel like fixed gear bikes were made for crits and we're only just now realizing that yeah i mean yeah the i i i agree i think fixed gear bikes are the best possible you know machine for crit racing i think if we if there's a road crit with as much hype and pressure and you know as much spectators there and every, everything on the line as much as the red hook crit there'd be even more crashes if you look at athens twilight for example there's always insane pileups in that race and those are all professional crit riders so it's not it's not the track bike that's making it dangerous i feel like it's a you know when a race has a very high stakes and the riders are on the, their limit and winning the race is a big deal for them then it then there's going to be crashes that's just high level competition on skinny tires it's just there's no way to get around it for sure. Um, and sometimes literally there's no way to get around it. (laughs) 
Uh, but we also do a lot more than any other crit there is, is on safety, just the way we manage the circuit and where we put crash protection and where we put barriers and the amount of planning that goes into making the race as safe as possible. And in some in some ways, that might lead to more crashes because people are like, you know, it feels you feel like you're on a Formula One track and people are just going to push their bikes to the absolute limit um, because the course feels so safe. So yeah, it's a, where then you go to these other road crits where there's like a dumpster in the middle of the track and all, the whole field <laughs> slows around it every lap. <laughs> For sure. So what do you think besides like crashes and stuff, what do you think are like kind of the biggest, uh, I don't know, falsities or misconceptions that people like put on the race? Yeah, it's, I mean, a lot of traditional cycling, they just ignore it, especially like cycling, a lot of the cycling media, they don't consider it as a serious sporting event, um, r- really only because people are riding track bikes. So they're just like, oh, they're track bikes, they're, you know, it's crazy and it can't be a real sport. So they don't even bother looking at it and seeing seeing how, like, how well it works and how the races are actually aren't that chaotic and um, how the racing is really dynamic and exciting. But yeah, it's hard. It's, you know, everyone views it slightly differently. You know, I think it's not, you know, cycling is very traditional. So a lot of people in the cycling world are still can't believe that this kind of racing can be so good. And so fun to watch. But once they see it, it, you know, usually, usually people change, change their mind. I've never had like a crit, real big critic of the race come to the race. And then afterwards, like is still a critic. If you, if you come and watch the race in person, you're, you'll, uh, see the value in it yeah i think it's amazing it's it's really uh attractive to me but that was kind of like the i had that question actually kind of written down on how do you feel like traditional cycling media covers the race (laughs) they don't a lot of them they don't i think it's they don't have money so they can't yeah you know they can't send journalists to the race and then you know whatever money we have for marketing we don't really we don't really care that much to, to be on like Velo News or Cycling News with race reports. I mean, it's cool when it happens, but we'd rather put our efforts into bringing more spectators to the race and promoting the race, like to our, you know, to the people that are following it already. So I think I think that's some, you know, some of it. If these if these media companies had more money to send people to cover the races, they would probably find it very attractive to to be there. Uh, a lot of race. I mean, if you read half the race reports on Cycling News, it's obviously produced by whatever race sent it and you know they're sending them the the coverage and the and the photos but it reads almost like a press release instead of that like genuine coverage yeah for sure one of my favorite things that actually like made me want to do this podcast though was hearing uh i think it was alec briggs he was on a podcast i listened to from uh I forgot what it was, but anyway, I just remember being like, I want to hear more of this. I want to hear more of their stories. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we did. I did a radio show with him last year in London on Soho Radio. It might have been that, but yeah, if you hear the stories from the people at at the event, they're always super entertaining. And yeah, it's a it's it's a it's a fun sport to follow. It's not not super easy to follow yet, but it is really it is really fun. Yeah, well, hopefully with like. Uh brian and fixgearcrit.com and then hopefully this podcast 
<laughs> I want to do more race coverage on this show, uh, which will be starting once Red Hook starts. So um, hopefully people will be able to follow along more often. And yep. fixgearcrit.com is doing a huge service. They were, uh, yeah, I was excited because we're teaming up with them. He's like publishing all the episodes on the website now. So yeah, he's on, he's really built, he's built that thing out of nothing. And yeah, it's done a, done a great service to the, to this racing scene. And I hope more people, uh, you know, follow it and appreciate it and, and help support it. Cause it's definitely important for sure. So how do you feel about beyond red hook? Uh, the just fixed gear racing in general. Like, how do you feel about the current state of it, and what do you think needs improvement, or what do you think uh, it's, what do you think is happening that's really good? Uh, yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's, it's been amazing to see it grow out of nothing. I mean, the Red, Red Hook Crit was the first one, and you know, for for a year, as we were the only track by crit that existed, and then you know, slowly, more and more races started emerging, and now there's races everywhere. And there's a lot, you know, tons of races in Europe. There's more and more in California. They're starting to starting to pop up. But I, you know, I think the race, you know, or the scene needs there needs to be more big big events like kind of Red Hood Crit quality events, events that are funded and really well organized. I think that's very important. Um, right now, there's just you know everyone has such great intentions and they're really passionate about what they're doing, but there's there's very little money in the sport, very little sponsor support. And without, without that, without more big events, it's just going to turn into another kind of branch of, of boring amateur cycling with, with different divisions. And just, you know, I, I, I feel like it'll just turn into, you know, like park racing where it's just boring and not that spectator friendly. There needs, there needs to be more big events. Yeah, for sure. How do you think that uh, we attract those people to it? I don't know. It's a good, good <laughs> work. I work every single day on it. Don't know the answer. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, it's very, very hard finding finding support. And the bigger your event is, the more it costs to produce. And, you know, you, you can become so your 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 event can become so successful that you can't actually afford to do it anymore because you know one year you might have fifty riders and you can handle that. The next year you have two hundred riders and you can't handle it anymore. And your sponsors don't want to pay anymore, and then you're in trouble. Um, yeah, it's 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 tough. I think people just need to, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of it's luck. You know, finding companies that somehow are attracted to it, and people really just have to go out there and try to find the money and put on be- you know bigger and better events. Yeah, I always wonder because like we don't have those traditional. Like, especially in, like, the generation of people that are really digging fixed gear crit racing and stuff, it's, like, even that, like, traditional media isn't really going to help that much, you know? Like, TV coverage yeah. and stuff, like, most of us don't have cable. <laughs> yeah. And, like... And coverage is pointless. Um, but, like, how are you, you know... You know, Red Hook Crit hasn't been live streamed yet simply because we can't afford to do it. It's just too expensive. So you have to find somebody who's willing to invest in the sport and bring it to the next level and not, you know, not just, you know, hack together amateur events. We got to do big professional events and finding the money to do that is very difficult. Yeah, man. We got to get YouTube on board. Where are you at, YouTube? (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, they'll they'll do it if you have several million people watching it and they're making money off you. I mean, that's that's what's tough about going to the next step is that it, the people that are are interested in funding it are just going to try to make money off you. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. <laughs> so, what do you think? Uh... Where do you see the future of the sport going then? Like, do you see Red Hook adding more races? Uh... It could go either way, really. I mean, it comes it comes down to support from sponsors and and making you know making it keeping it sustainable. And you know, for us, adding more races is actually because we don't really make money on the events. If we break even, it's great. So just just adding races is really hard for us. Really, we need to just improve the races that we are able to pull off, and and try to bring in more sponsors and more more fans, and try to find a way to get them live streamed. But yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think it's at a critical moment. The sport could, you know, lose its big events if if they aren't able to find money, or it could uh it could be more discovered and bigger bigger and better sponsors come in to, to help keep it growing. Yeah, well, how how are you feeling about 2018? It seems like even more so this year, more and more teams are bringing on bigger and bigger names into the sport, and uh, there's more interest, it seems like, this year than ever before. So how do you see that panning out, or what does it look like to you, I guess, from behind the scenes over there? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've felt this, you know, every single year it's grown, so we are... We're... Like if it didn't grow, if the interest didn't grow, we would, we would be worried. You know, I think every year it's like, well, this is the biggest year ever. And, <laughs> you know, especially from from you know from athletes being excited about it. I mean, the more athletes that come and race it, the, like the next year you're going to have more athletes because it's like such a fun event to race, and and there's so much exposure being offered to the riders who do well. You know, one one race, you know, you know like last or two years ago. You know, kid, top level mountain bike kid showed up and did well. And the next race, he had like five more guys with him. And the next race, even more. And then it's, so it's always growing that way. Um, for us, it, the hard part is just finding the sponsors that support the race. And we're actually now in competition a lot with the with with the teams for sponsors. You know, team sponsors that realize that they can sponsor a team for a lot less money than sponsoring the race. <laughs> so we were losing sponsors to teams. So. It's it's been difficult for us as the race grows to keep funding it, and we're we're fighting all the time for it. And that's that's what it's going to come down to is can we keep getting the support to make these races happen? And you know, even if the interest is there, if we don't have the support, it'll be it'll be tough. And actually, like Red Hook even got me more interested in uh, road cycling too, in a weird way. Red Hook Crit is not a fixed gear bike race; it's a bike race. You know, exactly. I don't care actually that I never even ride ride track bikes anymore. You know, for me it's all about just you know, it's a it's an exciting race regardless of what kind of bikes are being used. And if you're a sponsor and you're visible and people are like people love what you're doing at these races, your brand is gonna benefit a lot from it. Yeah, and absolutely. It's, yeah, it's but then you know, I think I think bike companies struggle a lot because they're they're pretty bike companies are pretty small and they'll, they'll have like a marketing manager who's trying to manage a global brand and he's like one guy or two guys and they're just trying to find things that are simple and cheap and things they can do and like all around the world for almost nothing. So if one project takes too much energy, it's hard for them to focus on the big picture. Yeah. I think that's a, 
that's a problem I've, I've found in the cycling world. For sure. I love, uh, I love seeing specialized support you guys though, because the bikes that they release for their team are just so amazing every year. <laughs> yeah. Now they put a lot of energy in, into that project. And, you know, it's, it, that's why it's, it's so hilarious when people are like criticizing them being a part of the event. It's only a good thing for everyone. Um, you know, it's, it, they're, they're doing an amazing job in making the sport better. They might be hard to beat on the track, but other than that, there's, there's really, they're really not doing anything wrong. Yeah. And, and one of the things is like, I do hear the criticism sometimes of, uh, all of these top level people coming into the race and whatnot. And then I just think like, if it wasn't for that happening, it would be hard for even the smaller races like the NL crit or the mission crit or any of those things to exist without red hook being so popular. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I mean, as I always say is like, if you, the red hook crit's too hard for you. Well, now you have all these other races to choose from because of the red hook crit. Yeah, exactly. And like, uh, it's almost like a, it's like that, you know, saying a rising tide lifts all boats. It's like the more exposure that I think the red hook gets and the more top level people it attracts and the more sponsors it attracts, the more opportunity there is to have lower level races as well. Yeah. It's it's also, it's also a myth that the race is like less competitive now because more top riders are coming in. Um, yeah, ever since the beginning, it was, there's always been t- top-level riders racing. I mean, the Casey Manderfield, who won the first Red Hook Crit, was a like, three-time national champion the year she won the race. And the next year, it was Neil Bezdek, who was on the verge of signing a pro contract. And then the next year, it was Dan Chabanoff, who was also work- moving into the pro rank. So it's always been full of super high-level athletes. For sure. In the past, In the past, it was actually harder. In the past, it would be like, there'd be like five to 10 guys who are super strong and everyone else would just get blown out the back. And now it's like, now there's like a, you know, 70, 80 riders finishing on the lead lap where before, if we had 20 riders on the lead lap, it'd be a miracle. So it's actually like, it's easier to finish the race now. Yeah. And the more racers you have, the easier it is to like draft off people and stay in the pack. (laughs) The people that criticize like the high level riders coming in just don't understand the sport at all. It's always been the, always been the goal of the race is to have the best possible riders for sure and that and i've always like and this is like one thing that bothers me about traditional road cycling too is like uh just like some of the rules people impose that aren't actually rules you know (laughs) unspoken rules yeah yeah it's just like a race to me like i grew up racing bmx and it was you know you sprint to the finish line and whoever goes across the line first is the winner yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's how the red. That's always what I what I've said. The red hook crit is it's a race. You go around. You go around the circuit a bunch of laps, and whoever wins wins. You know, it's like I don't care who you are. If you're the world champion of all cycling, or you bought a bike the day before, you know, everyone has an equal shot. For sure. And there's an yeah. And there's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. And, and in road cycling, it's like if the you know lead guy has to pee or something everybody has to stop and i'm like i don't know <laughs> i'm like i don't know yeah. that seems weird to me <laughs> but yeah that's funny yeah but that seems like the red hooks version of that is like people are like oh well they you know get paid to race get road paid. bikes so 
they shouldn't race Red Hook or something. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I remember like I think the year Colin Colin won everything. Everyone was complaining so much about the pros, and like Colin was an amateur at the time and wasn't wasn't getting paid to race or anything, and was winning everything. And then people were complaining about the pros ruining the sport. And the, <laughs> The pros were getting crushed by an amateur, and where they should have been like, "Wow, this race is amazing because an amateur is beating these pros." Twenty seventeen, you know, the results were so much different than you thought they were going to be. But yeah, you know, and once someone starts winning more than a few races, or a team starts like dominating a little bit, people get really nervous, and then you just got to be patient, and like someone else is going to come in and you know crush the person behind, you know, the previous champ. You know, it's been. You know how it's been five, five or six races now since Colin won a race. You know, it's like in for a little while he was unbeatable. Yeah, totally. And then like uh, you have like a team like Aventon come and their teams win the whole series on the men and women. Yeah, and like that's pretty cool. They're selling like what like three hundred dollar track frames. You know, going up against like specialized team and killing it. You know. Yeah, it's probably the only sport where like a company like Venton could compete against someone, you know, company like Specialized. You know, if it was in pro cycling, Venton wouldn't even be there in the first place. Yeah, exactly. So what's 2018 looking like as far as like the courses? Like, what are you excited about? Who are you excited is coming to the race? Like, I... uh, well, we got to do, yeah, Brooklyn's, we're, we're really focused on Brooklyn right now and it's gonna be really exciting because we have a new circuit layout this year which i think is going to change things quite a bit um the where where we hold the race at the brooklyn cruise terminal they did a formula e car race last year and they did a lot of the improvements of the facility they repaved a lot of it and made the course wider and uh, yeah so it's like a whole whole new ball game this year there so do you think it's going to be faster it'll be faster yeah we're gonna have uh you know, the last the last course had some really narrow points that were always pretty tricky and little little dangerous. And this year it's going to be a lot safer, and it's going to be a sh- little bit of shorter circuit. So it'll be uh, I think it'll be more intense the racing. It'll yeah, it's gonna it should be faster. I don't think we'll have quite as many slow hairpins. It'll be more uh, more faster corners throughout the throughout the lap. And as far as you know, athletes, there's yeah, it's it's totally stacked. We just opened registration a few days ago, and it's definitely uh, definitely the most competitive field we've we've had. We there's some new, you know, there's always new ringers coming in, and we used to get more excited about them. But usually, like the people coming in for the first time don't do that well. But there's definitely some high level crit race road crit racers coming in that could switch things up. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens. Yeah, so out of all the races, like what's usually your favorite? If you can pick uh, one. <laughs> probably well Brooklyn, just because it's my home, I can like walk from my apartment to the racetrack in five minutes and then and it's just the biggest event. We do the five K running race and everyone's really excited because the season starts. But I would say my fa- my favorite event is Milan because it's uh, the end of the season. The atmosphere there is just incredible. There's tons of spectators, and the spectators are all super crazy. They're all super enthusiastic and also very informed on the sport, more so than in Brooklyn. And also, by the end of the year, we're like we got the operation dialed, so the logistics are much easier. And, you know, we're, we're kind of into, into the groove of things. After 
taking the whole winter off from organizing races, it's, it's always a little bit tough jumping back into it in Brooklyn. For sure. I could see how that would be the case. (laughs) Um, But yeah, there, I would, you know, Milan for the atmosphere and then Brooklyn just because it's the the home, home base. What are some of your personal goals as far as like Red Hook or just like, yeah, my, my only goal is like the same as when I started was just make each race better than the last race. And, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to have super long term goals with it right now, just because it's you know we're so dependent on sponsorship. Um, but yeah, it really just improve the sport and just make you know every year I change you know I evolve the race rules and the format. We're we're also introducing a new format this year, which I think will be really exciting. And yeah, yeah talk it's a little bit about that new format. I'm curious about it. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to release all the details on fixgearcrit.com. But basically, we're going to give the, the rules is designed to, to give everyone two chances to race. So, like, it doesn't matter if you're like a beginner or, or a top athlete, you're going to get more for your, for your entry fee. Um, so, in the past, everyone got, you know, was guaranteed a, a start in the qualifying session, but then you would get eliminated very quickly. Uh, but now the, the new format, you, no matter where you finish in the, your heat race, you advance to another to another race. So everybody gets two chances to race. Nice. And I think that I think well, you know it's, you know like last year in Milan, there was a kid from Canada, a strong rider. He had a, you know, flat tire on the start of his heat race, and he couldn't he couldn't get going. And that was just that was it for him. There was no way we could put him into another race, which you know, I felt really bad about. So now everyone like you know at least you at least have two chances to to do something because realistically it's hard it's very hard to qualify for the final now there's there's going to be probably 400 men registered on race day and only 100 of them are going into the final so we want to make sure that everyone all 400 riders have a really really good experience and get a lot of time on the track and that will also really increase the experience of these riders when they go on to smaller races because they'll have you know, two, two really tough sessions at, at Red Hook. And then they'll take that experience and go to these smaller races with it. So what are some of your favorite stories or highlights from the past 10 years of races? <laughs> that's too many. That's a big question. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to write a book one day about all, I mean, there's been so many of them. Hard to, it's hard to pick just one. Um, yeah, I think just... And just what me probably you know the overall just all the people I've met through through the experience all the different you know you know be, kind of become part of the community of cyclists from all of these different countries around the world and just like meeting those people at every race I think it's a it's been the best experience definitely definitely gonna write a book one day about it behind the real real behind the scenes story it, I think you know the the race like looks so slick and so well organized that it's hard to understand how much how difficult and how crazy it is behind the scenes sometimes. So what do you, so there's a bunch of people these days that I've noticed on Instagram that are like listening to this podcast that are like reaching out to me and stuff that are, uh, putting on races and parking lots that are putting on like unsanctioned crits and they want to grow it. What do you say is, uh, some advice to them on, on what yeah. how to move uh, forward uh, <laughs> yeah it depends on, depends on um 
you know, what ambition, like where they're at now and where they want to go. You know, I think, I think it's really important to understand the sport really well and make, make sure like the sporting aspect of it is, is super solid. You know, you might not have money for barriers or, you know, good location, but make sure like your race format makes sense and your roles are well enforced and your timing and scoring is done well. So like once you get that out of the way, I think, you know, you're, you have a base to start growing it and then you, then you have to start finding sponsors and, you know, understanding how much time you can commit to it, you know, without, before you make any money. I mean, it took, it took me six years to get my first sponsor, you know, first big sponsor. So, you know, if nothing happens overnight, so you have to kind of understand what your ambitions are and then, then go, go in that direction. If your ambitions to become a big race like Red Hook, then you better start understanding what it takes to find the sponsorship money thing. And usually I tell them that if they come to Red Hook and volunteer and see how things work behind the scenes, that like we'll, we'll help them with their race. You know, it's, yeah, if you're, if you're an aspiring race director, you should come and volunteer at Red Hook because you'll learn more, more that weekend than, you know, you could, you could other, you know, just trying to figure things out on your own. So what do you, what can people expect um, that are kind of going to Red Hook for their first time or maybe racing Red Hook for their first time? Like what can they uh, expect and what should they do to prepare? Do you think? Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously it depends on what level that person's at, but I think it's like, unless you're like world-class pro, it's probably going to be a lot harder than, than you even think it is. Like it's, the sport's been going on for so long now that it's really, and the people that are at the front are really good at it and have trained super hard and have a lot of experience. So it's, I would just say, you know, manage your expectations. Like even if you're a Cat 1 road racer, you, you know, make it into the finals a good goal. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely hard. So I always tell people just like have fun, learn as much as you can and, Ride, ride well within your ability level. Like don't go, don't go in there thinking you're going to win or something like that. Because that's usually when people crash when they're too, uh, too amped up and aren't, uh, aren't ready for it. And then it's, yeah, just have you know people, you know, I don't think it, the social media and, and what people see on the internet really conveys how much of a community event it is, like how how much fun people have around it. You know, you can you can post about that on on social media, but once you're actually there and you see how like how much friend how many friendships have d- developed at at the events and how much how much fun people are having at the parties and how welcoming everybody is, I think is is usually a surprise for people. You know, we have riders who like we had a rider last year in London who was he was like really well known on the track, you know, racing in the track community there on, on the velodrome and was always really resistant about racing Red Hook Crit, and he's like, oh, I'm not going to like it. And then he did one race and made all these friends, and now he comes to every single race. It's, yeah, it's just a, just a fun fun weekend, even if you don't do well in the race. Yeah, that seems to be like a consistent theme, is just like the community behind it, the parties, the <laughs> just kind of yeah. the whole event in general, just being such like a positive experience, even for, you know... I've had a lot of people on the podcast that never made it to the finals or anything, but they still just talk about it like so glowingly. Yeah. Just the, yeah. For people to focus on that, you know, don't the race is whatever, like, who cares who wins the race or, 
you know, just have fun. And, you know, the racing will be crazy no matter what level you are. Even even in the heat races, it's going to be super hard. You're going to you're gonna have a good race, like, even if you don't make it to the final. Do you still race bikes at all outside of this, or are you just kind of focusing on organizing the races? <laughs> yeah, just organ- unfortunately, just organizing. It just takes too much time to really train. Yeah. I'd like to get back into it at some point. But it's- yeah, so where's your cycling at right now? Do you go out on the road bike much or (laughs) not at all working 80 80 hour 80 100 hour weeks it's hard to hard to find time yeah i feel you it's it's this whole winter for me just like so many projects and stuff i couldn't imagine like organizing four events as big as what you guys are doing (laughs) yeah yeah pretty endless but sure. get to let through all the all the right racers who do show up. Nice. Yeah. So, what are you uh, at least listening to while you're working? It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a good question. Usually, like, I mean, our we always have the, a friend of mine. These DJs, Chances with Wolves, who are always at the race in Brooklyn and DJ in the after party, and they put out a they put out an awesome mix like every other week. So that's that's usually on in the background. Do you want to shout out all the sponsors or the main sponsors for Red Hook? And do you have any like parting words before we head out? Yeah, just parting words. I just can't wait to see everyone at the, the end of April. Um, you know, definitely thank thanks to our big sponsor, Rockstar Games. We're we're working on a few new sponsors for Brooklyn, and then we'll be able to kind of like thank everyone all at once 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 everything's finalized. But yeah, there's definitely some some cool new new smaller sponsors coming on board. Yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be an exciting week. That sounds good. Thank you so much for doing this, David. All right, cool. Thank you. All right, that does it for another episode of Save the Track Bike. Thank you so much for tuning in, and thanks for all your continued support. I have merch coming out soon. Some samples are on the way. I'm very excited about it. And yeah, keep an eye out on Instagram at Save the Track Bike. Visit us at SaveTheTrackBike.com. Leave us a review on iTunes if you want. And the music is Slag Girl by Vitamin Pets. Thank you so much to FixGearCrit.com. And see you next time.